All right, now that the music is done, it's time to start the episode. All right, this is the third episode of Tea Time with Olay. I made it a special law school and legal profession edition because I'm trying to kill two birds with one stone, okay? I've got me a lot of questions in my DMs, a lot of people that have a lot of things that they want to know. And so I said, you know what? Let me get me and a few lawyers I like and my beloved protege who is still in law school to talk to y'all and answer questions. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to let everybody, you know, talk, give y'all a little bit about our background, and then I'm just going to open it up to questions and whoever has them, okay? So first, y- y'all know me. I'm going to spare y'all right now real quick. Let me let me, let me me introduce to y'all my, my guest here today. So first I have, oh, let me invite up Lori there. There we go. All right. So I've got Tina. Y'all want to mute yourselves? Y'all can unmute yourselves. I'm going to meet my, my panel, my panel of excellence, of Black excellence. <laughs> All right. So first, I've got my girl, Tina Kasangana. Let me give you all Tina's, Tina's formal resume. Tina is an attorney, M&A, and corporate finance associate at Burger Gray LLP. She graduated from St. John's Law and Syracuse University. She received her bachelor's in international relations and political science. Her day-to-day work encompasses corporate governance, corporate compliance, purchase agreements, remediations, other things that are too fancy for me to even repeat. Worked on a very, on the Versus and uh, Triller deal. And this is very important to her, so I'm going to make sure I include this. She is a diehard Knicks fan. She really, she really going to die over the Knicks. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So then after that, I've got y'all, Gary. Okay, Gary Williams is a civil litigation attorney specializing in tort law, insurance defense, and civil rights. He is a two graduate of the Southern University System, the only HBCU within its own system. After graduating from Southern University Law Center, Gary began his career at the Department of Justice as an assistant attorney general, subsequently moving to private practice where he is today. Hey, Gary. What's up? Then I've got for y'all, Lori. Hold on. I'm, I, got, I got bios. All right. Oh, Lord. Lori, why are you so accomplished? I can't. can't. All these accomplishments. All right. Lori graduated from Howard University School of Law. His name is actually Lawrence, but I don't, you know, I have no respect. I'm currently currently (laughs) the government affairs associate (laughs) with Kronos Group. Before that, he worked for Viacom, BET Networks. Lori does a bunch of stuff, okay? Lori's out here doing all the cannabis stuff on the Hill. I just want y'all to know right now. Let me just give y'all that. Let me let you know that right now. All good things happen in weed cannabis related on the Hill. Look to our boy. Um, And last but most certainly not least, I'm very much so showing off. (laughs) This is my protege, Nyla Mustafa. She is from Cleveland, Ohio. She is a third-year law student at Howard University School of Law. Before law school, she worked on Capitol Hill. After law school, my girl's going to big money. She will be working at Paul Weiss as a litigator. And I just want to say this. I met Nyla when I was already graduated, but I went back to pre-law day at my um, my undergraduate. And she was so impressive. They had her doing like mock trial. I'm like, listen, step aside. Let me tell you all right now. This is the talent. This is the one. This is the one. And so I got in touch with her. And that is my boo, the proudest of Menti could make me. I yeah, just I'm so happy say, not- to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Nyla been the one since Howard Law. We we were coming in and I was leaving. She was coming in. She always been the one. Always been extremely on point. I, I gotta just be scared of that. Listen, I've been you. I've been you. Everybody else gotta catch up. Well, I appreciate that. And Lawrence, you definitely helped me. So you know I appreciate it. 
I, I, I do what I can, but you did the work. All I did was help a little bit. That was all you. You've been. All right. Um, all right. So let me let me let everybody kind of let me speak to our backgrounds. Or right, you know what? I'll just let let's let's let let's have Vian talk first. Do you, there you go, Vian. Ask us the first question. Hold on, let's see when I invited her up to speak. There we go. Is she there? Or did we lose her? Hmm. I don't know. Y'all can hear me though, right? Yeah, we yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you a little bit about my background. I think everybody knows I was a public defender at the Legal Aid Society. I started off, I went to St. John's Law School. I went to undergrad in Ohio at Ohio University and majored in political science pre-law. I got a minor in African-American studies and a certificate in law, justice, and culture. Uh, I went to St. John's in a full academic scholarship. Um, what else? Yes. And now I am a movement lawyer. I'm a political commentator. Uh, I'm the director of media advocacy at a nonprofit organization. And that is that is my current, my little bit of background. I hated law school. Y'all should know that up front. I hated law school. So I have a, I have a lot to say. I have, a, I have a lot to say. So I brought a paddle of diverse, diverse views, diverse people. All right. And by diverse, I mean an interest. Obviously, this is an all black panel, baby. <laughs> um, so. Not y'all laughing. So if y'all want to put questions in the chat or anything, whoever wants to talk and go with their experience first. Gary, you want to start us off and tell us about your your law school experience? Yeah, 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 I can. Um, so I went to an HBCU law school, right? And um, I got the whole experience. Uh, I started off my first year just really just vibes. You know, I, I came from that undergrad where, you know, if you come from HBCU, you understand that first year, second year, third year, man, you just really vibing. But I didn't really understand until my second year, you know, the importance of going to law school and doing well in law school because you, of course, you want to make money and get out of debt once you finish. Right. Um, so that first year I was really vibing, uh, did well enough to, you know, get on boot court, did well enough to get on journal uh, law review after that. And, you know, I, I really honed in on I would never go to uh, private practice. I'll never be what they call big law I never go to a firm and here I am doing the same thing I said I wouldn't do so I am a, a, a proud advocate of never say what you won't do until you get to the in, in that position because you don't know what you'll do until you get there um, but yeah man law school was good law school was one of those things I found that it doesn't teach you everyday practical life so don't ever get out in law school out of law school thinking what you learned in law school is actually what you're going to actually put into the practice of law because being an attorney is one of those things you learn on the fly and you really learn by just looking and doing and failing and getting your ass back up and doing it again so yeah absolutely i don't think law school i don't think law school so much teaches you um you know, a bunch of people think you go to law school and that's why they teach you all the laws, like, you know, a bunch of rules and whatnot. I think law school teaches you how to know what you don't know, like how to look at something and think, ah, oh, what I need to go look into that I'm probably looking at only half a picture and what's exactly. not there. Whereas I think without law school, people tend to look at, they look at a very tiny fraction of something and think they have all the information they need. Um, so that's what I think law school does. Uh, Tina, Tina and I went to the same law school. And so I think it's important for you to hear 
um, a different perspective because I'm a hater. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, y'all ain't going to have nothing positive on my mouth. I'm going to talk last. I'm not going to say nothing positive to y'all about my law school experience. I'm not going to tell you nothing nice. <laughs> so, you know, I it was a prosecutor. I hated it. <laughs> but, but, but Tina didn't hate it as much as I was there. So in order to balance out, you know, balance out the skills of um, St. John's, uh, public image. <laughs> I am going to allow Tina to be here. <laughs> Tina, take it away. I love now that I know why I got asked. <laughs> I'm the company man for St. John's. I, I hate it. Um, no, so, I mean, I went to, you know, PWIs. So I was Syracuse and, and St. John's. And like Olay said, uh, predominantly prosecutor school. And, and I do corporate law, right? Um, and... I mean, you want to talk about anxiety filled um, because you're just, you're, there's so much imposter syndrome. Uh, yep. but that was, that was really the first year. Um, but I also had um, a little bit of a different situation because I grew up with the son of my Dean. So I knew him, you know, on a, you know, kind of personal relationship. Um, and so law school, while it was rigid and all this crazy academic shit, it was also just like seeing that familiar face all the time and stuff like was actually kind of was kind of cool, kind of nice. Um, and that then allowed me to kind of do some shit that maybe the other students weren't allowed to do. Um, so I think that's kind of why um, I liked it a little bit better. Um, but um, I think like Gary said, law school does not prepare you at all for practice, at least if you're getting into transactional work. Um, like, I mean, we were writing motions, we were writing briefs and things like things of that sort. But then, you know, my first week um, doing corporate work, I was like, I don't know what y'all talking about. Like, you're telling me to drive a deal. And I don't know what that even means. Like, I, I don't even know what I'm driving. Um, so overall, I'd say it was a fun time. I don't know if I'd go back. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the worst time. It wasn't the worst time. I it was the worst go time back. If... I'd go back if... I could like go with like therapy, Tina. There you go. If I could like be in therapy and in law school, I would do that. Child, please. Therapy <laughs> that's the reason I have to go to therapy. <laughs> uh, Lori. I'm here. Lori, you want me to tell do you want me to tell do you want me to tell the public to call you Lawrence? Is that Man. is that what you be in the space for respect? Nah, they, they can call me Lori. it's after five o'clock. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lori. Give us your background. So law school was the most fun I'll never want to have ever again. That's crazy. Thank you. Thank you. I was saying, no, Tina, don't, don't speak up. I went to the school you went to. You have no reason to have <laughs> like, don't Like, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I'm blessed to be able to go to Howard. I made a conscious decision on that because I went to was a PWI. I went to St. John's undergrad. That's a PWI. I went to Syracuse for uh, grad school. That's a PWI. So I wanted to learn the law and I wanted to learn policy from people that look like me. Because eventually the things that I want to do, I want to kind of give back to my community in, in particular ways. So I'm like, who better to learn from than my own people in a sense? So I went to Howard. It was a lot of fun. I'm really grateful. But I'm not going to sit here and say law school was fun. It wasn't. But I got through it. So I got through it with like, you know, a great group of friends, a great group of colleagues, um, a lot of open bars, <laughs> a lot of open bar events, 
and just you know just share perseverance and will and and I and I'll be completely honest and transparent with my story. My first year I was on academic probation. I did not fit in law school. I did not fit. I felt like I didn't fit with the people. I felt I fit with a few of my homies, but for the most part, I was not fitting in. And then I felt like I was overcompensating. Like I'm, you know, trying so hard to be smart, not realizing that I already came into the law school itself extremely intelligent. So my first year kind of shattered my confidence. And I remember uh, one of the deans there, I won't say her name, she said, you need to second guess if you belong here. Oh, wow. And which, which is cool. And I actually, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for that dean because, how do you say this? It got me back in my bag. I didn't get a grade lower than 84 since she told me that. So, Wait, just, did you like her after that, though? No, it's still okay. It's I just confirmed but... it. I was just confirming the kind. Of, I was just confirming the kind of gratitude we no, were talking. It's, like you be okay. I just wanted to confirm. It's, like it's, okay, it's still so okay. Good, good. I just wanted to make sure you. I didn't. I didn't want you to have come by y'all too far. Like don't grow too much. You know what I'm saying? It went from beef. It went from beef to respect because. I'm 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 a spiritual religious person and you don't know for the purposes of what God put somebody in your life for. She was put in my life to get me back in my bag. And wow. I got back in my bag because it's it's no better Laurie than a motivated Laurie. So uh I am grateful for what she said. I was able to absolutely kill it and I was able to kind of just craft my own way. I realized early, you know, I'm not going to do the traditional law route, so let me kind of pivot and do something else. The best class I took in law school was alternative dispute resolution, which has nothing to do with court. It actually teaches you how to stay away from court. So I'm grateful for my struggles, and I'm grateful for how law school was that first year because it made me get rid of my conventional thinking and let me become what I want to be instead of what everybody's telling me to be. And that's when I was really able to thrive and flourish and prosper. And now I'm on Capitol Hill doing all this cannabis stuff. So I love that. I guess everything worked out for the right reasons. You know, God, God is good. That's actually such a beautiful story that it literally had to stop me from cracking the jokes that I had on the tip of my tongue. Nah, crack your jokes. <laughs> no, no. Well, Lori, when you was like, <laughs> one second after you were like, a lot of bars, a lot of parties, then you was like, I can have a probation. I just didn't fit. <laughs> no, like, it wasn't, no, it was, how do, how do you, <laughs> I was Sorry, not did you not fit or would you not leave the bar? I was not, I was not partying all the time, but if I was invited to an open bar event, you know how the big law has receptions, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to those receptions. Let me, let me be clear. I was not at Club Eugene's or Rose Bar going stupid out here. You, that's what you say, but you notice how you had places to call, like specific clubs, clubs to play. Mm. I was, cause I, listen, I was, I was in DC before law school. So I'm here, I was hit to the game. I actually had to tell a lot of colleagues, nah, I'm not going out with y'all cause I had to lock in. So it, you know, I, I had a little bit of fun, but I had more fun two and three up, but that one, I was just depressed and struggling. Keep it honest. Oh, listen, y'all listen, y'all ain't ready. That's why I'm speaking last. Cause it's depression city. By the time I I'm in the crib, I'm in the crib trying to study for torts singing. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Bro. Cause I just don't Bro. understand. <laughs> It was tough, man. It was tough, man. I, you know, okay. <laughs> that just made me think of, I have a friend who did, um, flunk out of law school initially. Um, and I remember one L year I was trying to teach her, uh, con law. And I remember, <laughs> yo, my girl was like, she looked at me like, you ever just hear air? Just, just go through somebody and she was like, what the fuck is this? She, she literally goes, she, she was like, Jesus. My cup runneth over. 
God, I was like, oh my God, my girl is stressed over these, over these finals. Hey, listen, um, I, I, I didn't get it when I first started, but thank God I got it. You know, everybody's yes. journey different and I'm blessed to have the one I had, so. Listen, and we love it, Lori. We love it. You're my special guest. And last, well, not last, you know, I'm talking after her, but I want y'all to hear from Nyla because Nyla is still in law school. She is getting ready to finish soon and she already has- Now she's has killing a, it. Now she's nah, killing kill, it. Listen, killing it. Killing it. And I'm going to get, listen, I'm going to give her an intro every motherfucking time because I, like I said, I got an eye for talent, son. Listen, all my mentees go crazy. They are a, an impressive- bunch son listen i knew i just want to say it i knew it i knew it from jump from the minute from the very minute i heard her do mock trial i was like that nigga is talented <laughs> that is talent even when she was trying to second guess it for like a little hot second before she decided to go to school i'm like mama <laughs> talent yeah no i mean i really appreciate that like i'm i, I don't think i'm that great but um <laughs> I, I mean i do think i do think i work pretty smart and i work pretty hard i mean you know i think but i i would say that law school is just what you make it i mean if there's so much you can do in law school i think what's gotten me through is extracurriculars for sure um my summer jobs has really gotten me through and that's like the law firm i'll be returning to I think who, like, my mentors have gotten me through, too. I don't really, I wouldn't really say that the community or the environment has gotten me through. Um, and I know that's pretty shocking because, like, I go to Howard Law, to HBCU Law School. But I think that going to that law school taught me how many different types of Black people there were. Like, yeah. we're all Black, but we're different types of Black. And um, I don't think people really understand that. And um, I think from my, when I was able to recognize that, I pretty much created a path for myself. And I had tunnel vision. And I think that in law school, that's the most important thing you can have. But definitely grateful for the experiences. And as long as you do have, you know, tunnel vision, like I mentioned, you can do well. You know what I mean? And every, everyone's version of well is different. So just run your own race. Yeah. So I guess it's me. It's hard to me. So I'm going to... <laughs> Let's get ready for narrative. Um, so I think law school has, a, I think you should be really, really, really thoughtful about where you decide to go um, in a way that. Yeah, 100%. You know, I, yeah, I agree. That makes, that makes such, such a big difference. And I wish I had, like, I remember looking into, so I applied to 11 law schools and I got in everywhere. And I chose based on money. I chose based on my full scholarship offers because I wanted to go initially. I wanted to go to Temple or Howard Law, and I got into both. And they both gave me a lot of money, but they didn't give me all the money. And if you, and if, you know, if other places gave you all the money, you're gonna, you're gonna look at all the money. So that's what happened there. Um, and when I went to what happened, I was between St. John's and Michigan State. And when I went to, and originally I thought it was going to be Michigan State because Michigan State was really after me. They were putting all, all the sweets, all the stuff on top of the deal. Um, and then when I went to go visit, say I went to go visit St. John's and that was the first time I went to New York. And I had, I went to college in Ohio and I went to boarding school in West Virginia. And my first year in America was in Florida. So I've been in the boonies. Um, so that is very important to this. And I always thought, you know, I would love New York. And when I got there, I'm like, oh my God, love New York City. Um, and St. John's was really, really unimpressive. It was a box. It was a square. There was nothing impressive about the school. So I was like, oh, probably not. But then I went to Michigan State and it was extra racist. And I was like, oh, I can't. No, no, no. I can't do another set of this because 
you know, more than likely where you practice law, most people where they where they go to law school is where they end up practicing law because that's where they get internships, that's where they get connections, that's where they form that, that's the law they know, that's the bar they take, whatever. So I'm like, more likely than not, I'm an immigrant because I'm an internet. I was an international student and I had to consider that. I had a lot of immigration things to to factor in. I'm going to get stuck there. So let me go to um, New York and go to St. John's. And I wish, if I had looking, looking back on it, if I could do it again, I would have applied to other New York law schools. Like I would have known more about the culture of schools, like defense friendly schools. Or I would have applied to CUNY Law. I would apply to MIU. I applied anywhere else but St. John's. St. John's is a prosecutor mill and it is not for a place, a person like me. Um, and so for me, law school was a lot. Law school was terrible. Um, so psychologically, they were just beating you down. It was such a, a like, I've been in, listen, I've been in very racist what environments. What do you think like made I, that environment so bad? Like, do you think it was your professors, the deans, the students? Like, what, what happened? Everybody. Everybody. It was a united front. It was a united front. Um, everybody. Concerted effort as a joint, as a, as a joint institution. Very, very, very racist. Like, incredibly racist. Like, um, let me, like, first, the first one of the first, they'll tell you, like, oh, um, you know, to your face, like, oh, you know, you should be really grateful for affirmative action because that's why you're in law school. You know what I mean? Like, to your face, you know, that kind of, that, that kind of shit. Saying racist things in the class, like, let me give you, like, a professor, um, the criminal law professor. One class we were talking, we were, what law were we studying? Oh, boom. It was it was in crim law, and we were looking at when Bernie gets, which is this guy that back in, I want to say, the 90s, shot, shot um, a few black kids on the subway who had been, like, um, like panhandling or trying to steal or something anyway he shoots, he shoots the kids um and you know he's talking the professor is you know talking to the class a lawyer about you know whether or not they think this is okay or when he's like oh would it make a difference if you know they were nice smart white boys or you know or like he but he wasn't ma- he made he, he made a comment like that like just a very loud microaggression was just like yeah well it would be different he was like it would be different you know it would be different if they were like you know like white kids, like smart white kids with their, you know, good GPA or whatever in terms of them justifying, like in the class, justifying why it was okay to shoot these black kids. And I guess the, that's the majority discussion. Like all the things you get canceled for on Twitter is the majority at the law school where I went. Um, so it was a lot of that. And it was a lot of them constantly trying to convince you that you, you are not intelligent. You shouldn't be here trying to keep you off of things, trying to make mock trial, all these different things. Um, impossible it just was a lot it was a lot a lot of gatekeeping and it was just it was very psychologically um it was it was bad I can't even and and that was and that's most of that's most of what the black people that went to my law school's experience is I don't know I they know very few to like I said you can get the nicest version from Tina (laughs) like like, that's the best version and it's still not a glowing review um I see why you hate it that's that's crazy yeah, no, I, I hated law school. I, re- I really, really hated it. It was definitely the worst of times. Um, so, yeah. Do you think it, you, you you it would have been different if you went somewhere else? Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I think I think law school in general is, um, I think law school and certain things about the legal profession, yada, 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 are going to be unavoidable. Like, I don't think it would have been great, but I think it would have been substantially better. I think if I had went to a school where, um, let me give you an example. Like, every dean at my school is a prosecutor, like a major prosecutor. We we put out so many prosecutors that we, we they literally put up at the end of the year, the graduating class, like this year's class of prosecutors. Like, New York City prosecutors went to St. John's. We are a prosecutor mill. So imagine someone like me, if y'all know me and what I have to say and what I believe there in the middle of a prosecutor mill. 
Uh, yeah. So it was like a lot of, yeah, exactly. A lot of like them late day. People like me, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to try to break your spirit. You know what I mean? People like me, you have to try to convince them not to try to get through the door, right? Like I'm going to survive if I'm in the room, right? But you have to convince me to give up, you know? And that's a, like, it's a psychological, you know, they, they, they break you down. Um, and I think there was just a lot of that. And it was just, it was, it was, it was overwhelming. I think you have that combined with um, just right or regular life stressors, um, which was just my case. Like in law school, I, I started off law school really sick. I was in and out of the hospital and then my grandmother died um, and I was just broke as fuck. So I was just stressed out. I was just incredibly stressed out. And then I'm at I'm this really, 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 really racist institution and they are making it incredibly hard on me. Um, so, yeah, so law school sucked. But that being said, I think it's a means to an end. And I think something that would have made me waited better is is a lot more awareness. You know, I feel like at the time. You know, they, they would make you feel like there's only one way to do something. There's only one way to be a lawyer and you are not that. Everything about you inherently, the way you talk, the way you look, the way you, the way you think, the way you this, you are not meant to be a lawyer, a liar me, right? Like, and it was literally, you know, I've had my, one of my professors said, you know, I'm not, I can't be a, I don't look like a lawyer because I distract the courtroom officers. Um, so these are, these are real things they would say and do to you on a regular basis, right? Like, I mean, literally that the, a lot of ire for you, um, but something I think would have made it different is if I had realized just simply that that's not the case. Like if I had had, if I, if there had been, if I had been aware of a law Twitter world, if I had known, you know what I mean? You're seeing these other kinds of lawyers, but you, what you're just getting is people trying to beat it into your head that there's only one way to be, one way to practice. And if you don't get certain things, if you're not on law review, if you're not on this, if you're not on that, you're going to fail. And then they're the, actively the people gatekeeping you and preventing you from getting the thing and then trying to tell you that because you don't have the thing, you won't be, you know? So that if I had, if I had known, if I had had... If I were where I was at now, if I'd gone into law school at a certain level of awareness, like, fuck what these people talking about. Like, you know, that, that's not true. There's a whole bunch of ways. Like, practice is not what this is. This is just a microcosm. This is just a blip. If I could have given it less weight, if it if it held less weight in my heart, um, I I would have I would have had a better experience. So, well, I would have, not have a bad, yeah, I, let me, let me say better experience. I would have been psychologically better during the experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, but on positive things, I mean, the only positive things I would say about law school is I met my mentor and a few of my best friends. Mia, Tina is one of them that is on this call. And so, yeah, let me, we are, I'm going to open it up to our audience. Let's go, Jalen. I went out of order. Look at me. I'm fancy. All right. When I invited Jalen to speak. Wait, you can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You sound a little far away, though, talking to the phone. All right, what about now? A little a little bit better. Wait, no. That's you talking, Lori? What is this? Jalen, there we go. Talk. Yeah, now I was saying, I think that um, the issues that you experienced, minus the racism, of course, but... Lori, why you sound so far away? Hold on, I'm gonna hang up and then come right back on. All right, now I'll invite you, Jalen. You can you can unmute yourself and ask us your question. Hey, can y'all hear me? We can hear you perfectly. Dope. Well, thank you so much, Olay, for hosting this space. This of is, course. Uh, yeah, really, the description of it is like right up my alley. Everything I'm looking for. I'm uh, currently applying, doing through the the process right now of uh, applying to law schools. I've applied to a, a good number of schools and have already been accepted at a few. So uh, we'll definitely be attending law school next semester. So excited That's about that. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and also, you know, definitely uh, interested in 
uh, movement lawyering, um, working in public interest. I'm you know, currently an activist and organizer right now and definitely want to continue um, doing that kind of work with my law degree. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, I, I like, liked your discussion kind of talking about um, the atmosphere of law school. And, and as I'm kind of trying to go through my decision, I'm wondering, what do you all think is like the top things that you should consider when trying to choose which law school to go to? And right now, I'm really looking at like clinics and kind of like the academics, what kind of courses uh, the schools have and what kind of like centers they have. Um, I'm also wondering, do you all think that like ranking matters at all? Um, so, yeah, curious. Um, OK, so I'll, let me let me get my few thoughts first. Um, I think in your case, I think it would behoove you. First of all, money. Let me know. Let me start reasonable. Money is the first thing, the most important thing. If you can go somewhere for where it's not going to cost you or where you can get a scholarship that isn't super, you know, doesn't have a law school retention rates for scholarships and merit aid are not good. People go into what, $110,000 worth of debt on average to go to law school. So I, as someone who went on a full scholarship, to me, what makes it better that I had a horrible time is at least I didn't pay for it, right? Like at least I didn't pay for the worst time of my life. Um, that, that will also open you up to a lot of freedom after law school. Um, so money, I want to first say that if you have an opportunity to go somewhere for nothing or a little to nothing, please factor that in or somewhere where it's not going to be stressed. I, my scholarship at St. John's, like the only requirement was that I stay in good academic standing. You never know how law school is going to go in terms of the ranking because the curve and all, everybody else and all these different things. You don't, you just don't know. So having a scholarship is like, if you aren't in the top this amount of percentage of the class or, you know, those kinds of things will put a lot of stress on you. I remember a lot of my classmates breaking in the sweat, worrying about losing scholarships and stuff like that. So I think that's the first thing I would say to consider. Then from there, I think, I think in your case, especially as someone who's already an activist and organizer, I really think you should go to a school that like schools that love that they foster that those are schools like, like, like CUNY in, in, in New York is a very public interest school or even like, um, I feel like Howard has a lot of like a lot of civil rights roots and you know what I mean? And care about things. I think you should really take that into consideration because um, there is a, there's a way that you want it'll benefit you in terms of just like you know building on that and the environment to that but you also don't want to go somewhere that's antagonistic to what you're doing because that creates a whole nother level of stress and strain and making something hard like if you go to a particular kind of school that that doesn't like that now they put in like for example i ran into a law student who told me that is his you know they tried to threaten him with like character and fitness and stuff like that based on his like you know tweeting and stuff like that you don't want to go to places like you don't you want to you want to take that into consideration and because the things that you're doing is not only good and that matters to you and that's important but that's also something that helps you cultivate your career it's not like it's something you know some arbitrary nonsense on the world like you can do a lot by building by doing the work that you are doing that will help you and help towards your goals and helping you afterwards so you don't want to take what is ultimately a skill and have it like quashed out and you know the psyche and the strain and all of that from the schools so i would take that into consideration i think um in terms of ranking and all these things listen ultimately i think money matters more like i got into my my top school choice was georgetown georgetown um didn't give me any money and like, i love georgetown but not for one millisecond did i even think about that like that is astronomical like that i just where's that money coming from um so i think you know it, it depends like regionally where you're at and where you think you're gonna be and all these different things like for me st john's st john's is not a name that i think will necessarily be recognized in a bunch of other places but in new york they know it and i want to be in new york and new york is a big enough market and place or whatever so you know it's relative so i would think i would think about that um 
And yeah, somebody else can, anybody else, anybody else can take it. Any thoughts? Yeah, Lori? yeah I got you. Um, is, is it better now? Can you hear me better now? Yeah, we hear you. Perfect, man. I think, I, I think you're absolutely right. You really got to, you know, just understand what school you're going to and where we'll kind of embrace your views and your values and things like that. You said you were accepted to a lot of schools. If you got accepted in the Howard, if that's one of those schools, seriously consider that. Because although, you know, just like every other law school at 1L, you know, the goal is big law, big law, big law. But if you come in with your goals already intact, Howard gives you the ability to do what you want. Howard gives you the ability to put yourself around the people that have similar interests and, and allows you to thrive. Even if Howard doesn't understand it, it's going to be one professor that understands kind of what you want to do. Uh, you know, I didn't speak to many professors about what I wanted to do because I was always interested in cannabis law. But Professor Matima and I would have conversations about it. We would build upon it. You'll you'll find that person. You know, it's just about where can you find people who can mentor you, not just teach you in the classroom, but be able to teach you how to maneuver outside the classroom. I'm gonna always be grateful for professors like Professor Matima, Professor Worthy, definitely Professor Woods. Like, even if you don't go to Howard, try to reach out to Professor Woods because he teaches you how to solve problems. And I think that, you know, and I'm not saying Howard's the only school that's like that. You got UDC, you got a couple of other locations, but just make sure you go somewhere that's really going to embrace who you are, what you want to do, and who you want to be. And if they don't have a program for it, see if they have professors and see if they have personalities at that school that are willing to embrace it and willing to see you grow and willing to kind of push you to take what you're already doing, what you've already done, and then take it to the next level. But Howard, and I saw a comment by KDOT, they've been telling me HBCUs are not well. Um, That is cat. I know so many people from Howard absolutely flourishing, whether it's in advocacy, big law, litigation. Wait, what did you say that comment was? Uh, it says something about they've been telling me HBCUs are not okay, well so accredited all of my so life. So y'all are new here. Let me just tell y'all this right quick. Um, Hussein is um, while he he's a treasured and valued member, um, of the audience of Tea Time with Olay. Hussein is a troublemaker. Hussein is all things problematic. Um, you should just know this. Don't even let your blood pressure rise. This is an every episode thing. He's going to say some outlandish. I've never taken an African American studies class a day in my life. I things he also alleges alleges to be black as well. There's a lot going on, but Hussein, but we we, we, we like Hussein, but just notice don't don't take him too serious. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna take him too serious at all. I mean I just no, think it's no, a pretty no, no, like yeah. I think but, but address him like, though. But address it. Yeah, that, that's, and yeah. that's exactly I mean, I no, I just think it's a pretty laughable statement because like gotcha. I'm going to a top ten law firm in New York and I'm gonna be making the same amount of money as anybody at any other school and to be mm-hmm. quite honest, my law firm is like pulling from the top 10 schools and like only Howard and maybe a few other schools just to be transparent. So that's that's big cap. Like that's cap. You know what I'm saying? But to your point, though, um, about like what school, what you should look for in a school, I think you should talk to the current students for sure. Try to see if your vibe matches this, like the student population vibe, because as much as like you can have tunnel vision in law school, your environment will impact how you perform a lot. So just try to see if you can like picture yourself somewhere, do some actual like visits and stuff. And then like look into the professors, like articles, their publications. That's what I did. And I think that's the best thing that I could have ever done. 
I would say that I went to Howard solely because of their professors. Howard has some of the smartest professors teaching there and they have not let me down in no way. So I can 100% agree with Lawrence on that front. But I do think that, you know, speaking for Howard specifically, it's a special face, a special place in terms of the community it offers. So see if you can picture yourself there and at any law school, then, you know, I would definitely go from there. But as well as all the other things and, you know, the things that really matter, I would just definitely see if you can picture yourself somewhere. Because I think then, you know, if you can't, don't go. That's my biggest advice. And then, of course, you want to think about also, like, what can you do after law school? So see, you know, where are they putting their people? You know what I'm saying? Run some searches on some people. Are they putting people at the, uh, you know, places that you want to be? You know what I mean? And if they're not, that's not the school for you, I don't think. And and to piggyback off what everybody's saying, um, I think professor research is, is key. Right. I think Googling all professors that work at that school and see what they do day to day, see what their what is their day job? They teach. Most of them teach adjunct. But what, what do they do or what did they come from before they're going teaching? Right. And I think it's what the what the law school promotes as well. Does the law school promote people that do public, you know, public service? Do, does the law school promote these things? Because that's important, too, because you don't want to be in a place where the law school is like, oh, we don't really want that kind of attention to our law school. We don't really want that. Because when you go there, you're not going to fit. You're not going to like it. And then you're going to want to leave. Um, so I think that is important to do. Look, I was an ambassador for my law school. And it's important to do tours. It's important to learn the culture. But it's important to talk to people that's been there. I have a mentor that I talked to that went to the law school uh, before I did. And they gave me all the ups and downs. And you got to weigh that once you find somebody that went to the law school that you want to go to. Uh, no, no law school is going to be perfect. No law school is going to have everything. But do they have enough for me to go where I feel like I can fit in and also thrive after I get my education from that law school? And to the to, to that statement there about HBCUs, you're sick as fuck. I just want to <laughs> let you know that because HB, HBCUs are actually pillars for black people and have put black people on more stages than you can even realize. Right. And most of us out here that went to HBCUs making more money than anybody. All the here. grades so going please. all the grades went to the HBCUs. I just yeah, like Howard is Howard is and also I just want to say this everybody that I know went to Howard like has such high raises for the school. But importantly, I went to St. John's. Howard is a much better school um than St. John's much better school. And St. John's is a, a white institution and it's not even in the same like league as Howard. So, but, but I will say that is something. Uh, is, I'm is fucking crying. You hate St. John. <laughs> oh, it's trash. It's the hot trash. They know what it, they know what it is. They know what it is. One thing about me, I'm going to tell the truth. Is an undergrad <laughs> establishment as well. Let me be clear. Yeah. They... <laughs> listen, Chow, listen, I, I very much so. Yeah. Nah, it's definitely smoke for them for life. They really did do me dirty. Trust me. Um, yeah, all but, my money going to Howard and Syracuse. Ain't you thinking the dime? <laughs> I'm not. Don't don't ask me for no endowment. Don't ask me for support with the basketball team. Yeah, don't ask get me it. nothing. I wouldn't get up nothing. Listen, if St. John needed one penny to keep their doors open, and I was the only motherfucker with a penny, they couldn't get it. Now, all, all jokes aside, though, um, I am grateful for the people I've met and the experiences I've had. But as it much is, as we're speaking it, it about a lot to be desired like, think... in other areas, I'll just say that for sure. I ain't going to disparage it, but it's a lot to be desired at, at mm -hmm. St. John's at the moment. I hope they get it together, honest to God. 
I yeah, think Tyler. that like as much as much as we talk about Howard, right? Like I'm 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 real as fuck. And like I think anybody that like come into contact with me or like know me know I'm gonna speak my truth and like the real side. Yeah. I think there's also like a little like dark side too, right? So it's very po- it's very political at Howard. It's Thanks. very politicky. It's very it's very who you know. It's very much so like professors like cling to certain students who will give them certain grades. Like that's and and, and some people would disagree because of anonymous grade in X Y Z. You know what I'm saying? As real as that is, you know what I mean. But whatever. But also, it's not. No school is all peaches and cream. So just take the school that you think you can deal with. You know what I mean? And then I think <laughs> on, one more good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, I'll just touch on something that's important to my heart. Since we on it, just to throw out a little conspiracy, um, just to get y'all, just to get y'all take. Y'all feel like y'all believe in the anonymous grading? No, fuck no, no, I don't. no. no. Oh, okay, good. No. Oh, okay, good. Because no I was like, no way. Okay. Oh, they know I was what like, it is. I just they didn't know. know if we was all still drinking no the Kool Aid because ain't shit anonymous about Look, that. I, I, I literally wrote all my finals. I'm the only person in my class that ever wrote all their finals. They know who I am, right? Like, yeah. I physically, I didn't type anything, so there's no anonymous anywhere. They, they can't be. No way. It ain't anonymous. They don't. They, I don't believe none of that shit. That shit ain't anonymous. It's a, it's a, it's a good lotto. I'll say that. It's a caps, good caps lie. Lie. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful lie to convince people of. Yeah, I definitely uh, think professors dude. giving grades to people who they fuck with or who exactly. like shows up in office hours. Like, I'm. It's just, it's not. That's that's completely cap. And like people, like the deans will justify it and say, yeah, it's really anonymous, but. Nah, it's not. It's really not. I don't think it is. It's not. I will it's say. Not. I will exactly say though. Not. I will say though. Like. With that, uh, the nickname for Howard Law, for those who don't know, is Hustle, right? And it'll, it'll, it does allow you to hustle. I will admit that. It really does allow you to hustle. And it teaches you how the game is in real life. It teaches you how to play the game. It teaches you politics. It teaches you how certain people going to kind of shun you from a situation because of your views or if you don't fit with what they think they homie should be with. You'll see how some people, you know, naturally allow their friends to happen and then others will be like, okay, they doing this. I need to be friends with them. They doing this. I need to be friends with them. Like, it's a great way to see how the rest of your career going to go law-wise. Well, so, I think well, but what is just true of, like, the that's legal profession and law school across the board is yeah, that's just most politics. It's just, it's a no, like, the entire legal profession on law schools. I will say that. That is something to be aware of. I think you, if you don't, and you're not somebody in a room who likes to be in a room where... You know, people plodding on you a little bit, or people making moves, or they, you know, you have to kind of be hyper aware. Like it's a little bit game of crony. I I think that's knowledgeable about the legal profession because, and I think it's it's a mistake. It's a mistake to think if you're not like that and you don't, you know, you don't move like that, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, think like that or be aware of move like. You know. Like I would say, I, I experienced a lot of. A lot. Of, I learned a lot about people for the worst in law school. You know, like people. People will do some. You'll realize, and I think that's just something true about the profession. Yeah, nah, saying. I oh, swear yeah. to God, my worst experiences. I think I've been in law school. I'm like, no lie, no lie. Like, yeah, it's it's od. It's really crazy. So yeah. you, you learn a lot about people. You realize people are really like 
so let me give y'all a perfect example just just so because you'll read things online like i remember reading lots of i'm somebody who like i googled a lot everything about like the law school experience and stuff which is why i actually kicked myself in the ass because i remember reading that the culture of st john's was not good i read that somewhere but i they didn't you know they explained it in like white people's version of not good like oh not much of luck going on not strong presence student body all these different things like if someone had been like racist as fuck you know if they'd written that i would have i would have you know but i wish i had paid that more attention but in any event give me a second y'all know i smoke what was i talking about <laughs> somebody run it back to me Lori, help me. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh damn uh so what <laughs> hold on tina help me Nah, you were just talking about how how is how the the politics thing is. Ah, is boom, a, boom, 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 boom. All right, boom, 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 boom. Got it. So I, I, read, I read a lot. No, I'm there. I got it. I got it. I got it. So yeah, thank you. Research. I did a lot of research, and I remember reading a lot about like classmates, like people being really competitive and doing real fucked up, grimy things in law school, and that being a thing. But I am not like somebody like I don't even like TV shows like that. I'll turn Lizzie McGuire off. I don't got time for you to stress me out. Like I don't like all the madness. So I didn't pay that no mind. That was a disregard for me. Like I'm not a I'm not a person like. I don't like to strategize against people because I don't want thinking about you. I'm real self on my own run. Like I'm my own agenda. I'm not trying to plot on nobody. I do not appreciate having to watch my back. Like I don't like to have to be five steps ahead of you. I will be, but I don't like to have to be. So, but I remember in, in law school, that's when I realized that people could like, people would, would do masterful fucked up shit. So in my one L year, there's a thing called um, internals like, or or what was it like yeah the the internal like this internal mock trial team between like competition between like the 1Ls and you know it was something that would be done and you know who's really good at it would end up advance like you know it was something to do to to help yourself look good once you're trying to go get on the mock trial team which was called PTI so I had already I always knew I was going to be a litigator right that was always the plan and I'm always somebody I'm an immigrant I had to come to America for me to get into schools I have to be so much better than everybody so I'm always somebody working ahead, working ahead of everybody. So when I got to law school, I joined Baltimore trial immediately. So Baltimore trial started from a long time. So by the time internals is coming around in the spring, I had already been on a mock trial team and been competing. So I'm better than them. That's them. I'm nice. So then when we go to go, we are on, we're on teams. We're on, we're on a team. And I'm on a team with three guys um, for mock trial. One is, and they're all bad. None of them are good. They're all bad. They're all trash. All of them are untalented. Um, and that's just the truth, right? So one of them is uh, was sleeping with my roommate. <laughs> but anyway, um, he, my grandmother, which was like my parent for me, like my grandmother raised me. My grandmother got sick, suddenly got pancreatic cancer. My one only year, my grandma suddenly died, which was which was, is, to date, will always be the worst thing that has ever happened to me. So I say that to understand the magnitude of it. It's not one of those things like my Grammy that I'm just going to know, like my Grammy, like my mother. Um, so my Grammy dies and immediately, immediately I tell them, like, I find out like that day, like my, my Grammy died, like her funeral was set for the date of the, of the competition. I tell them, I, I can't do it. My grandmother, my grandmother, my, my grandmother passed away. Her funeral is that day. Let them know immediately. This white guy that's on the team that felt threatened that I would, you know, I would advance eventually to the, to the, you know, the, the actual competition we want to get onto the, onto the team. He thought that I would do better than him and them. So he goes and he tells these people, he goes to the, to the people that actually run it, the martial stuff. And he tells them that my, my grandmother died a long time ago. 
I've been you my Grammy's funeral was on, on the day of the competition, but I only just now decided to tell them to 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 inconvenience um to inconvenience them. And I remember listen to me. That right there, that was a different side like I remember like wow, like in a normal world you think you don't you wouldn't even think in your rational mind. It would never occur to you. I cannot trust someone with information as bare de minimis as my grandmother died. Like they could find a way to somehow use that in some bullshit. And that was the beginning of me learning a lot about these people that you have to deal with in this profession. And then like, and, and that was, that was, I, I think it's important to know shit like that, to realize like, even if you are not like that, you don't play that game, you don't live like that. Like, and that wasn't just things like that. I had a classmate who was like my good, 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 good friend, good friend. And he like, like, he, he like lied about what all what he wanted to do, like what kind of law he wanted to do or practice, right? Um, like, I'm like the whole time I want to do criminal, I want to do criminal, I want to do criminal, I want to do criminal. I'm like, um, you know, forming this relationship or whatever with this professor and uh, stuff like that to try to get like his little coveted refer like reference. Um, and he's telling me he wants to do an entirely different kind of law. And then like the day before, whatever he thinks I'm supposed to go have my meeting with him, he goes to him and asks him like, oh, I want to be a, a prosecutor just like you and blah, 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 and all of this. And I want the reference like shit like, like they do shit. And it's like, oh, wow. This is how y'all give it up. Um, what was his age? When he did that, he was 30. And I was 22. So, um, yeah, Tosin. He's just a fucked up guy. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's youth. <laughs> yeah, Tosin. He's a fucked up guy. <laughs> like, um, but I I I think that is something to be to be cognizant of. Oh, I just realized we don't know how Jalen up here forever. Poor Jalen. Let me tell you down, but poor love. Let me let me get Aaron. Everybody at your law school, Aaron. Yeah, these people suck. Mal Aaron, I invited you to speak. Let me see what else you do. Mallory, I know you're there, but I chose the I chose the students over you, Mallory. But I'm going to choose you after. Of course, of course, Jalen. Um, is Aaron? Is it not working? Invite to speak. Okay, there. Aaron, accept your invitation. Just one note that I want to say: gatekeeping outlines is crazy. <laughs> that is oh no, that shit is no, 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 no. Don't get me started. Don't actually don't get me started because I'm, I'm a. About it. I just thought about it. The the, the way outlines were gatekept was absolutely hilarious. Listen, like I really did have some no. Like actually, I'm not. Let me just let me just say this right now. My fucking outlines go crazy. My cons and my con outlines go crazy. And when I say they go crazy, I mean, I had them bound like books and they're on my bookcase. <laughs> like, <laughs> our outlines were, were really top fucking tier. Like, I can refer to them now. <laughs> they really go nuts. Why, Aaron, why is this not letting you talk? And where is Lori? That's crazy. Not knock Lori off. Okay, I'm just gonna have to shoot. Okay, there we go. Aaron, your thing doesn't appear to be working. I'm just gonna invite Mallory. Mallory, is yours working? What? Okay, there. Mallory. There we go. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I well, I, I could hear chime in about the racism in law schools because if if I have one regret about law school, it's that I didn't really delve into learning about anti racism. 
before I went, because what I can tell you is when you get to law school, you are sitting in classrooms with some of the most potentially dangerous racists in the country. And, and you see it, you see it when you look at the makeup of our, you know, Congress and the, the people who are the most insidious force for white supremacy and evil in this country are all Ivy League educated attorneys. And so you're going to be sitting in classrooms with people who are not, they're not wearing rebel flag t-shirts and brazenly saying, uh, I hate black people. They're going to say things that are couched as playing devil's advocate and things that are so harmful and that perpetuate this entire history of white supremacy in this country, but it's wearing a bow tie and it it's a sort of genteel racism. And you will see that it, it professors don't call it out. Um, even you as a person who fancies yourself not racist or even anti-racist or an ally, you will not know how to combat the very sophisticated um, form of racism. It's different and it's, you just don't know it until you're staring it in the face. I mean, I would guess that as a black woman, you saw it all along the way, but as a white woman thinking like, I'm, I'm, surrounding myself with good people i didn't see the harm i was you didn't doing. know mallory you didn't know they're racist i didn't know so okay so because, i remember just because i'm gonna hold you i've been no, no. the token negro of a lot of white people yeah. a lot of white people a lot of white people like me like a lot mm -hmm. of white people consider me their friend i was the only black yeah. girl in my graduating class in boarding school in west virginia and what I've noticed about white people is the minute they let you in on their little circle, they stop doing all the pretend they do in public where they act like they don't get it. Like they will yeah. admit, like my mommy is racist. Like, oh, I can't be, you know what I mean? My mommy's this, this my this uh -huh. is da da da. They will, they will say it plainly. They will tell you all the things. They will cop to the problematic views. So I feel like white people not being honest amongst white people because they being honest the minute they let your black ass into the circle. So they're not saying it to you. You ain't know? No. You thought it was racist? So, so I'll tell you this. When I was in high school, and I think it was 10th grade, I had this class where they brought in a guest speaker who was there to talk about racism. And there were two Black students in that class. And the teacher or the guest speaker said, if you think that there is racism in this school, walk to this side of the room. If you think there's no racism in this school, walk to this side of the room. And the two black students walked to the yes, there's racism and everybody else walked to the no, there's not racism. And at the time, I remember looking mm -hmm. at that and, and thinking like, oh, my God, I'm, I, I hate that they think it's there because it's not there. And now I look back on it and I'm like, they are the authority. And absolutely, it was there. It was there because we had, you know, the little, the kind of dirtbag kid who will wear the shirt that's been banned. The one for us in the South, it was that Confederate out uh, flag on all the, I think it's called like Rebel Outfitters or something. Like that was banned. They knew it was banned because the Confederate flag is a racist symbol. And so they would wear their Confederate flag shirt to school knowing that it was signaling, hey, fuck you, I'll wear this shirt anyway, and then dare the teachers to make them go turn it inside out. And so as a kid, 
I had this belief in my head that racism was always big and loud and ugly. And so, you know, yeah, I, I would see, uh, I would hear a family member, you know, make a joke about uh, black people or say the N word. And I would say, you cannot say that that's racist. That's bad. And I would call that out. But as far as being in a classroom and hearing someone say, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but what if black people are inherently more dangerous? You know, and that's, that's yeah. an extreme example. But hearing someone say that in a classroom was totally never, never, ever entered my world until law school. You know, and I wasn't prepared for to to push back meaningfully against these because you know they're they're going to law school in pursuit of furthering these fights at the Supreme Court level. You know, this there are massive conservative. Um, you know, think tanks and funds that are being funneled into dismantling the protections. Did you, Go ahead. Yeah. Did you call people out when you saw the racism? Yes. Yes. And but it's so much easier to explain to you know your uncle. So uh, once upon a time, my uncle was was saying how he worked with a black man, at, and this is family that lives in an area that was once sundown town. So there's no black population where my like grandparents and aunts and uncles live but he was saying you know he when he was a manager for pizza hut he once worked with this black man who was he was actually a good employee he was actually good he's not like the black people you see on tv and so you know in that conversation i can say to him and i can square up to him and i did and say what you need to understand is that that man was not the exception and that you are the problem for looking at him and seeing him as the exception to what must be the rule, because you live in a county that has a population of, you know, 99.9% black people or white people. You do not have a frame of reference to say, oh, I am the expert, but that's what happens in these white communities where they think they think they know because they see bad things in the news. And if they meet a black person who counters that narrative, that knowledge that they have, then what they'll do is they'll say, okay, well, this is a, this is a different kind of black person. And so that's easy to, that's I think y'all just got to start against. calling shit what it is. Like, I'm, I'm like, yes, like and, no, no, no. Like in plain language, like, let me, like maybe it's cultural, yes. right? Like maybe it's cause I'm, I'm, I'm Caribbean, but right. My daddy is a misogynist. You notice how I just mm -hmm. said that? No story. Yep. <laughs> like, he just is. Yeah, yeah. I know that to be a fact, okay? Yeah. He didn't say misogynistic shit. I'm like, ooh, misogynist. And when I, oh, my dad yeah. is homophobic. And when I said that, when I tell my dad he's homophobic, no pushback, no fight, just an honest living with it, living. I think, like, white people have to have, go have a reckoning about, like, how y'all just, y'all just say, oh, <laughs> that's a good man. That's a good woman. You a good no, child. Yeah. You a good. And then y'all just accept it as truth. Because, like, it sounds like all the evidence was there. <laughs> like, it, it yeah. sounds like all oh, yeah. the evidence to the fact that they racist was there. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, well, but no, but I get it, Mallory. But I, yeah. but I, but I do understand, like, and I, and the I. absolute no. best resource that, that you can tap into as a as a white person who does not want to continue to perpetuate white supremacy is to listen to fucking black women. And, and I have to say that I have grown 
so much in the last five years on Twitter, following and listening directly to the stories and the experiences of Black women than I learned in all of my, my 33 years preceding that. And, and especially because so much of what you hear is filtered through white teachers, white institutions. I mean, and we see it happening now blatantly. We see it happening very obviously in banning books and restricting access to the information that's going to help people see that this shit is insidious. It's not, uh, Arkansas had diploma privilege for um, the practice of law. And, and so if you went to the University of Arkansas School of Law, when you graduated, you were an attorney in Arkansas. And that existed until the first black student graduated from the University of Arkansas School of Law. And that was the very first time that Arkansas required our exam from graduates from University of Arkansas School of Law. And so the, it's just one tiny example of how, when you say the bar exam is racist, you will hear your sophisticated racist say, it cannot be racist because it, affects white people as well. I think my only pushback is the sophisticated. There is no such thing as sophisticated. Like, they're not sophisticated. Like, all the things that you say, it's like, very, like, obvious. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I have a hard time believing, like, we don't know what it is. What I think it really is, is the inability to reconcile the fact that these are people that you otherwise like because of what your life, you know, experiences with them and that they are this. But it's not sophisticated. It's not that they're masking it. It's that they're doing it in a way that you find, like, yes. Well, but they're yeah, racist it's fuck on clay. It's, Every story reads racist as fuck. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's what, that the best resource outside of listening directly on Twitter or wherever you can listen to Ole's show here, uh, the White Allies Handbook by Alicia Michelle is, it's like, don't be racist for dummies. And um, and so if you read anything before, if you are a white, especially white woman going into law school, read the White Allies Handbook. Thank you. Mallory, I, I have a question for you, Mallory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, of course, this this our, our profession is dominated by European men and women. Let's just call it uh-huh. what it is. We're five percent. Yeah. I think we're more three percent, but they say five. Okay, five. So. Um, while we talk about, you know, white allies in, in, in these in these spaces and we're talking about, you know, these are the most dangerous people in law school. How does it change? Because, you know, you you as uh, you know, in your own story, you talked about how, mm-hmm. you know, even at your big age, it you had to just listen to Twitter in order to, you mm-hmm. know, kind of find out, you know, our perspective of how we struggle through law school, or how we struggle through the, the mm-hmm. practice of law. How does that because some people don't use Twitter. So how do we change the the narrative? How do we change the perspective of a white people that inherently are racist and don't know it, or maybe don't know that they're mm-hmm. surrounding themselves with racist, which is going to make them racist? You know, how do we change that? Um, uh, you don't change that. You are, it is not on you or the people who are the victims, who are the survivors of white supremacy to fix that shit. It's on me. And it's on other white people to to correct the shit when it happens and that's my biggest regret about law school is not having the tools to push back right then in that classroom and say here here are 
all of the reasons why what you're saying is racist, period. End of sentence. We don't, we don't play devil's advocate when we're talking about the humanity of a person. We don't play devil's advocate when we're talking about 200 years of white supremacy that has come since we uh, outlawed slavery, but then made prisons. We, it's, that is excellent. Me, no, that is, and it's on people who can retreat. That is, it's on it's on the people who can retreat into their whiteness, and I and I do want to say because I I follow Leisha Michelle on Twitter, and every time Leisha Michelle says something about white women, she will get responses from liberal white women saying not all white women, and I I felt that urge when I first started engaging on Twitter, I felt that urge to say like, please, please, please don't think I'm racist. But the longer I sat with the discomfort of understanding that even just silence in the face of the racism is racism. It's, I, I had to sit with that and it feels like shit because you think my whole life, I thought that I was, I was helping and now I can look back and see all these places where I could have been part of the solution. And instead, I was part of the problem. And you guys, you have to fucking reckon with it and sit with it and be uncomfortable. Because when you go into battle against people who are coordinated in their efforts, I mean, look at the Proud Boys. Look, I mean, we, don't, we don't need the Klan anymore. Because we got all these people who can put on a business suit and go do all the bidding of what was once the Klan from the fucking bench. You know, we've got white supremacists on the United States Supreme Court. And we, we the white people, are the ones who have to reckon with it. Because I will tell you this, no black person is ever going to change the mind of a white supremacist only way that you're going to change the mind of a white supremacist is if they are ostracized, if they are, if they are excluded from polite society because of their bullshit, and then can only earn their way back in by fixing their shit. I have a question, Mallory. Yes. After this, yeah. Mallory, we gotta, I gotta let air, I have to move. Yeah, yeah. And be so this is, just a, this is just a really quick question. I definitely appreciate what you're saying. Um, would you say this to a white audience? So, like, if you, if the person was like a, a white podcast host, would you like get on here and like say this? Absolutely. Mm, that's and, really good. And I wouldn't have probably five years ago, because I, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the language that I really needed to back up. You know what I was, what I was feeling but I absolutely would not have. And there is no way that I would have gotten to this place if not for, I, I think the way that Ole and I collect, connected initially was because I posted on Twitter and it went viral. And I said, we need to talk about racism in law schools. And I had like, I, I did not expect anybody beyond, I don't know, I probably had like a hundred followers at the time. And when I posted that, there were black women who started to respond and who were saying, we don't need to do anything. You need to do it. And that changed, that changed my life. And it's true. And 
and we have so much fucking work to do, but it's not your work to do. It's mine. Thank you, boo. All right. Uh, Aaron. Oh, Tosin. I feel like Tosin wanted to. Aaron, I'm so sorry, but you can get the floor in a second. I felt like Tosin had a direct response to that. Aaron, you might too. So y'all can both. Y'all figure that out. Whoever talk first. Tosin, talk. <laughs> I, I, I think I wanted to ask whilst Mallory was on. Um, Ooh, but Rebecca's it's... here. Oh, I'm sorry. I got excited. Let me invite Rebecca. And hi, everyone. Sorry, I'm just sort of hijacking. Aaron, you can go first. Sorry. My bad. Um, so my experience in law school, it's been a couple years now since I dropped out, um, unfortunately, was very similar to Olayami's, um, because Ooh, you I pronounced was, my name, right? Ooh, love that. <laughs> um, I, I've watched your pronunciation video, so I was Thank like, you. I'm gonna... <laughs> Listen, okay. But, uh, so it... I was the only queer person in my whole class. I went to like a tiny, shitty conservative law school. The dean was a man from who went to Oxford. He was a British Indian man who had extreme internalized racism. He was a white supremacist. Absolutely. He had all of Ann Coulter's books on his bookshelf in the school. Anyway, I was the only queer person in my class and I also have autism. So I wanted to know, um, she was talking a lot about, you know, we can't play devil's advocate when we talk about the rights of people. But that was like all that the professors and the other students wanted to do. Like when we talked about gay marriage even and stuff, they were like, whoa, whoa, what about, you know, and it was always like really racist shit, really anti-gay shit, like just that's all they wanted to do. Even the professors, they would be like, well, what about in this situation? You know, and it was like debating with Twitter bros, but that's the culture yeah. that they wanted to foster. So how do we change that? I'm going to be honest. I'm a, this is a, I, this is, I think this is a, is going to be a half unpopular take, but I, I don't know if I'm so much invested in, in you putting your energy into trying to change the culture of any individual law school. Cause you only did three years, right? Like it moves on beyond you. And I'm not sure necessarily that we can. I think the, the, the best thing is showing us that there's a world around it outside of it. Right. Like how, you know, I didn't, when you're in law school, how, how law school works is to insulate you into a bubble. It puts you in a bubble and it makes you think like this one nut ass world is all there is. But when you like, if you, you ever, you know, you ever been at a shitty experience or an event or a thing, but you know, you get, you get to leave and like other people outside are like <laughs> this in the real world with sense is going to find this ridiculous. And so you bounce and it's just like, oh, whatever. You're like, you don't stress yourself. You don't feel the need to argue. I think that is like, if we, I think what we need to more so do is expose law students to, you know, the larger legal profession, the larger culture, the larger reality, that the fact that law school itself is just a manufactured environment. And it is not exactly what the, what the profession is or what it has to be. Cause like law school is like that for me too, feeling really stressful because they're making you feel like, I didn't know there was a like online world for like, I didn't know there was a law Twitter. I didn't know there was a world where people would casually say they failed the bar and like other people would remind them that it's just a test like you don't have to go into like shame and hiding and all these different things like lo- lo- the way it was a bubble for you because how would you know right like how would you know um and i think there has to be more of that more of us like actually trying to be- show people like oh because then you don't it doesn't matter then right like i think of it like mm-hmm. i'm on and when i'm on the news like i'm on really right-wing shows and everyone's always like oh my god i don't know how you how you can take it how you're not like upset or whatever you're not getting whatever and i'm like because i know that the rest of the audience can see this nut ass shit too <laughs> like i'm like <laughs> i know everybody that 
I think has sense can see this crazy shit. Like, so I'm like, you know, I'm reminded that I get to go back into the world. Like, I know that. Like, if I were just in this space, if you're just in that space and you're made to believe that it's only this space and you have to adapt to this space and figure out and you're just constantly fighting for your life in that space, then you then you take it different. It psychologically weighs on you different. But when you know, like, oh, whatever, fuck them. Okay, stupid. Like, you listen to that and you're like, that's going to be an essay idea I got later or something else I got to talk. You know what I mean? Advocate around. Like, I got to go, go, you know, work and you allow that to, like, motivate your larger space. It becomes different, right? Because, like, I even at, like, when I realized something I really appreciated when I graduated law school was, like, becoming a public defender. I was surrounded by, for not all, less I'm not going, this is not an overall endorsement of the whole public defender space. But I, I've since graduated law school, I'm mostly around like-minded people. I, I can I can cultivate that kind of profession, that kind of environment, that kind of whatever it is for. So I am not constantly, I don't feel how I felt constantly, you know, fighting and all this and the next thing. And it makes it other environments feel different. Like I'm not, it doesn't matter. You could be outnumbered in court. You're always going to be outnumbered in court as a defense attorney, right? Like it's always going to be like a larger environment, like in the legal profession, because that's what it is in our society overall. All those things that you experience in law school is just a microcosm, just a like, it's just a little hyper hyper uh hyper intensified version of all that exists in our society our society is prejudiced our society is racist our society is ableist our society is bigoted so you're experiencing that in this little petri dish but then when when you remember like oh it's just a petri dish and like i'm in a big ass fucking bowl you know like oh like it actually isn't this they're saying this because they want me to believe this but they actually have no ability to like prevent me from having the career that i want i'll still be able to do all this different shit when you realize that when you remember that and you like oh yeah it, 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 it makes it, it, it has such a, a different weight and effect. So like I, when I, when I first, um, when I first like started my, like when my career started uh, transitioning to like media and political commentating, I remember my friend, I said to my friend, um, Mark, I was like, our law students like really loved me. I was like, I don't understand why I don't understand what I did. And Mark was like, Alani, do you know any other lawyers like you when you're in law school? And I was like, Hmm. No. And you know what? That would have impacted it a lot different. Like if they weren't like the things that hurt me the most that it was hard for me in law school is people, them trying to convince me I don't belong, like that I don't belong and not and not looking around and seeing proof that I do, you know, and they're telling me, you know, they're telling me I'm this and they're telling me I'm that I can't be this. I can't be that. I won't be able to get in this room. I won't be able to get in that. But if I had looked out and I had seen me. I don't know. Okay, I'm talking caught cash. Bullshit. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'm good. So I feel like that's what we need to do more than like spend our break our backs trying to change the culture of one place that's just one low place that you're going to be at for three years. I think we need to do more to cultivate like for the profession and outward and like letting students know in these different like larger environments, hubs where people can go. Like the fact that we have like these law Twitter, you know, different shows, different this, let people see different kinds of lawyers, write, be visible and stop trying to play into the like one dimensional thing. I think a thing that lawyers like, especially, uh, marginalized folk do that is a disservice to other um the rest of us coming up in the community we're all we all know that we're multi-dimensional we all know i know a ton of black lawyers i know a ton you see i have an all black lawyer panel right here like i know a ton and i and they're all multi-dimensional people and not one of not a one of them not a goddamn one of them is claire huxtable or olivia pope not none they are all i am not like an anomaly i'm just one of the few that you see doing it out loud you know, so I think a disservice we do is like as black professionals and because of what the times were yesteryear, da, 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 we're like forced to mute ourselves, forced to compartmentalize, forced to keep so much of ourselves private. And that and that that helps like foster an environment where like 
you know, those of us coming up feel like, oh, well, I can do that. They don't see themselves in those roles or they feel like a certain kind of stress or pressure. They can't be that. So I think that's what we should do more is cultivate that for the community. I, I would personally argue that that cultivating is part of also changing the culture. It's not going to change it overnight. It's not going to change it so quickly and it's going to change in two days, but you inspiring the next, or like, I mean, that comes through that looks up to you is a small part of changing the culture in my view. And I'm just a small person. I'm, well, I'm not a lawyer as well. I love your accent. Thank you. It's Nigerian. That's my accent. Also, my uncle's name is Tosin. So I'm partial, I'm partial to this. <laughs> You know, like I've 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 been following your work since like since um back in podcast. Tosin, your audio is going out suddenly. Come to the mic. Is this better? Yes, perfect. Back. Okay. You're back to perfect. I was gonna say like I've been following your work since Bad Faith Podcast, and I'm like, I need to get on this girl's call so I can cook her some jollof rice, so, <laughs> so she can understand. But um, oh. but no, yeah, I think your stuff is quite impressive. Um. Erin, this probably kind of ties into what Mallory was talking about before. But Mallory and kind of what we're just talking about just right now about maybe changing the culture. In my view, not everybody goes out and is overtly racist. So to Mallory's point, to the example she gave where someone in the classroom was asking a question that I think we would all deem is racist. Um, in my view, personally, I feel like it's important to address that person almost like they're in good faith because your answer isn't going to that person, but it's going to those other silent people that are in the room that also have racist views that would also become the future judges in the future that would be shaping these institutions that will be voting because all these people, all these racist people vote. So they're all voting against our, all of our best interests. So in my view, it's, I know it's not a popular one, but um, to to respond to Mallory's point when she was on, I feel very, very strongly that we need to try as best as possible, and we don't always have to bend over backwards, um, try as much as possible, maybe not to say, well, you're racist. It's like try to address specifically um, what they're saying. And I think sometimes as well, this sounds like I'm being critical of, of someone that is obviously an ally, um, Mallory. Um, but I feel like sometimes the you're racist is a very easy card. You're racist. I'm going to like ostracize you. I'm not going to talk to you and just put you to the side. That's a very easy card. And I think sometimes we need to intellectually sort of address the points that they're making. This sounds like I'm a lib now, but like um, I, there's a quote that came from Obama once where he said, and I, think, I don't even think it's his, like nobody is born racist. Like these are learned stuff. So if you can learn to be racist, you could, you can definitely unlearn it. And I'm not saying that we should all go up, go up, like bend ourselves backwards and, you know, um, what's the name of that, um, Ku Klux Klan leader? Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, he's very popular. He's, um, uh, uh, I feel anyway. like I address choice. Um, I'm in just just to put out for the record that I can no longer be impartial because I'm now in love with Tosin, y'all. But oh, but, okay, but I have go. a lot of pushback in, in a me. different world. Don't if I weren't me. so <laughs> if I weren't so prejudiced by my feelings and smitten, I would have I would have I would push back against a lot more. But I'm going to push back on the point of yes, right? Like yes, obviously there's some level of like, and I think we all do this, right? Like I 
there's always there's always a way that that I you know you coddle people you coddle a lot of what you're saying you're saying the intellectual version um version of coddling them which is you're right there's there's something to that but I do think there is a point where you have to recognize that yes people are not people are not all born racist it is absolutely learned you're right that is true it is learned and it can be unlearned but there's also something to choice and a lot of people making a choice whether implicitly or loudly that they like it this way. It's not just all, you know, it's not just all ignorance. And I think that is a mistake we make. And I think that's the best in humanity that we like to believe. And don't get me wrong. I still, obviously I'm, everything that I do in terms of my work is still in the vein of giving people the benefit of doubt that it is ignorance, right? That's the whole concept of awareness. Let me keep telling y'all about these issues. That, that exists on the premise that you don't know. And if you knew you would act better and you would do better. So obviously I'm still operating on a certain level of the lens, but I do think there's some, there's something to choice. I, I do think we, but I, you know, I think, I think coddling is, you know, to some degree that is necessary and that does have to happen in order for it to be um, something they can hear. I, I definitely will, I definitely do all like do messaging in some ways in ways that feed into that to people where it isn't put on them. Like when I talked about, you know, uh, Chicago, the, with the pretrial fairness act that which it had been erroneously packaged in propaganda as the purge law. And, you know, I presented it as look how they lie to y'all. You know what I mean? Because that allows people to feel like, Oh, you know, you're not attacking them. It's not, it's not like, Oh, y'all idiots really so quick to believe, you know, all this propaganda. It's like, look how these people that you should be able to trust feed you propaganda. And so, you know, it's a different in approaches. So I, so I do agree. I had a little bit of pushback. I had to give it, but I love you. So you can say whatever you want. Tosin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and Mallory, if I've, if I've said anything that isn't correct, or you want to push back against me as well, feel free. Um, I hang around for here before I drop off. Thank you, Tosin. Right, let me let Riley come. Hi, Riley. Hi, Riley. We, you interact with me a lot on Twitter. Hey, yes, I do. Absolutely. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Riley. Okay, great. Um, first, it's good to talk to you. Um, I do want to give Jalen a quick shout out, the first person who is up here, just to uh, ask a question. Um, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. I know Jalen is in uh, Iowa. Jalen talks about abolition and he also ran for the house of representatives in iowa and i know that's very hard to do anywhere especially here in the midwest so just want to let him know that we see him over here in uh, nebraska and we appreciate him um so real quick um i heard somebody on the panel mention um something about imposter syndrome and i feel like i wish i would have heard this a little bit like when i first went into law school and i wondered if anyone could speak about this what's that tina did it was tina who talked about tina okay yeah yeah, sure, it would be great if I could hear Tina's. Hey, Tina, good to speak with you. I would love to hear Tina's thoughts on this because I feel like maybe any prospective uh, law students might be good encouragement for them. But, you know, what I learned in law school was that, like, I don't feel like the profession lacks smart people. It has plenty of those people. That's not why the that's not why the law is as bad, bad as it is. I think it lacks people that care about the right things. And so I think people who want to get into movement lawyering, I think it's important that they remember, like, if you're here for the right reasons, like, you are enough. And I wonder if maybe, Tina, you could speak to that or anyone else on the panel who, like, could give that encouragement to anybody about it's not about how smart you are. Um, it's obviously great to be intelligent, but, like, caring about the right things is super important in this. Right. So I um, and all the, all the other points, I think this kind of ties into what Olay was um, speaking about earlier about St. John's in particular, about, you know, the environment kind of makes you feel like you don't belong there. Um, and so 
that kind of put the fire under the imposter syndrome, right? Where you're kind of like, wait, hold on. I graduated from college with honors. Am I not smart? Like what's going on? Um, and this whole cookie cutter business of like, you know, you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be, and you guys can't see me right now, but I'm doing air quotes, a successful attorney, right? Um, so I don't, I don't do litigation. Um, I'm not a movement lawyer. Um, I, I sold my soul to corporate, as most people would say. Um, and so the imposter syndrome ties in definitely, first of all, black women in corporate law, I think we make up less than 1%. Um, and so I, I haven't even worked on a deal yet where I've had another um, black woman on the other side. Um, and so when you're constantly surrounded, both at law school and now in practice with just white guys, um, you're kind of like, okay, am I supposed to be here? Right? Like, like, do, 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 do I know enough? You know, like, uh, I'm going to get found out. Right. And so it's an email that will take my white counterpart five minutes to draft will take me 30 minutes. Right. It's, um, and this is actually, this has been researched um, in reviews. Associates who are black will have harsher reviews on their grammar and their writing um, versus their white counterparts. Um, and so there are just things like that that kind of seep into your mind. But here's the encouraging thing I'm going to say to everyone on this call right now. Fuck that. Um, and I realize I, I think I'm the only person who's cursed thus far. Uh, but no, fuck it. Um, you are there for a reason. Um, and one, you, you pass the goddamn LSAT, okay, which is like one of the big bad boy barriers to goddamn get into this goddamn profession to even be considered for the goddamn profession. Then you go ahead and you get into a fucking law school, okay, which that's another big, big ass defeat in and of itself, right? When you get to law school, do not change who the hell you are, right? Like everyone's going to tell you, you need to study this way. You need to do blah, 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 which adds into the imposter syndrome because it's like, well, goddamn, I don't even know how to study, right? No, what you did before, apply it to law, okay? And here's another thing. If you don't, if you don't come from, you know, uh, a family or whoever, you know, third generation lawyer, blah, 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 reach out, ask people, hit up Olay, hit up, you know, I'm not going to volunteer the people on this call, but hit people up and just ask like for direction, et cetera. Because when you have those doubts, when you don't know really, you know, don't, you don't know what to do when you're in this new environment, um, that's really when the, the uh, imposter syndrome kind of just sets in and that's when the roots kind of dig in. And when the roots dig in at the law school level, it's harder to get out of them um, once you start practicing, because then you're like, all right, I skated through law school, somehow got away with this fraudulent ass shit. And now, you're practicing, right? But you got to law school, you passed the bar. It doesn't matter how many times you pass the bar, the bar should be fucking abolished anyways. Um, and you just need to get, like, you got yourself in this place where you can now practice, where you could, you know, if you're gonna be a movement lawyer, where you can effectuate that change. If you're gonna be a transactional attorney, you know, you can get that money and donate that money, right? You, you can participate in the movement in different ways um, and realize that, what you've gone through is helping someone, is helping the next person, right? So I always say to my mentees, I count my pain as joy. I count my lessons as joy because then that means that they don't have to go through that again. Um, and so, you know, just also be on the lookout for if you ever feel like you catch yourself slipping, just remember I, I made it this far and it's not by luck. No, that's fast. That's, fa that's definitely a word.
That's definitely a word. And, you know, I, I took it for granted, you know, anytime, anytime I, I told y'all anybody who jumped on Latina is my best friend and one of my best friends in real life. So, um, this is a constant, I take it for granted that you have to like still exist in this world with the, with your career path and, um, baby law. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't like, I have anxiety. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> um, and like, because, you know, there is a privilege I would say in having gone in public interest that kind of gives you a lot more peace of mind. Like, it's not gone, because as, you know, Tina knows, it's, it's a whole different set of bullshit in politics indefinitely, but there is something to not being able to, like, leave that in terms of what your day-to-day is, in terms of them still, you know, you can't you can't change how other people act. You can only change how you, like, are able to withstand it, how you deal with it. And so, like, the world, the the white profession, the white legal profession will always micro-arrest against you. You know, it will always do these things. And so it's about you being in a place. And so it's a, it takes a lot to be, to make, keep yourself to, you know, focus on your mental health and your self-care and all that to keep yourself grounded enough to withstand that. So you're not unraveling. So I take that for granted. You're excellent. My love. Appreciate that. And go to therapy. Yes. Yes. That's very important. Very important. Yeah. I also, um, just to jump in really quick. I think it's very important to keep your, like, morals and values very, very close to you. Because, like, I'm the type of person where I'm not bending my values and morals for nobody. And I go to war about me. Like, I'm willing to step on the line for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, believe in you, but fight for you. And also, don't bend for nobody. I don't care who it is. I don't care what situation you're in. Even if you have to fight yourself through a situation, like, to get through a situation, you have, like, I don't know, you know, a higher power. I believe in God personally, so that's who I go to. We gonna get through it, period. Like, I'm not bending my belief system or my morals or values for nobody. And I don't care where I go. Like, that's just me. You know what I mean? And so I will always say, remember who you are at your core. Like, if you are a good person at your core and if you have, like, good a good belief system and you're, you know, headstrong and all of that, like, remain that person. Don't let cold-ass, heartless people change you. You know, you can you know, navigate a situation and learn from the situation. And you may have some hiccups where you, you know, you messed up too, right? But like, don't change who you are. And don't let me, don't let people think you crazy either. Like, don't, don't, don't fall into the bullshit. Like, stand up for you, but remember what you were taught and the morals and values that you have. Yeah, no, that's facts. Be Knowing who you are and being principal is the most important thing you could possibly do. And stand and toes down on that. And real quick, if I could just to go back to the thing about selecting your law school, uh, I think the point you made earlier about talking to current students, if you can, is super important, because I think that's like one of the best ways to know what the environment is like at that moment, because the school can change drastically depending on who the dean is and the new hires they brought in. I mean, I didn't I wasn't arrested until my first time until I was in law school uh, for being a, a, a legal observer at a protest. And my dean, like, publicly went on Twitter and had my back. And I can tell people that story, but then I can also tell them all the other things that are wrong with the school I went to. So I think that's super important. I think it was Ole that said that, but Gary made a good point as well about, like, research the professor's adjunct or not and figure out, like, who you're actually going to be learning from. So that's all I got. I'm going to add one thing to what Riley said. Sorry, Ole. Yeah. Um, About reaching out to um, current students. Just be very mindful that if 
they are, you know, the student ambassadors, and I'm saying this as someone who was a student ambassador, they are expected to give, at least in the St. John's world, a rosy colored lens. So to the extent that you could ask someone to like, you know, be connected to their balsa or something like that, and to try to, you know, not necessarily go at the institutional level of the students that they're giving you, but try to dig a little bit deeper. Um, I think that'll, you know, yes, speak to students, but also try to speak to students who aren't, you know, on that soft sock. Speaking of, I ever tell you, Tina, that I got in trouble at St. John's as um, for being honest with the with the with the tour. I'm not shocked, and there's a reason why they haven't asked me back on a panel um, it, after some shit I set up my last the last one. They message she emailed me talking about how disappointed she is in me. <laughs> I listen, I'm mad to this day. Like and had the nerve to child, listen, and the way people when you when they think you somebody now, they'll try to walk it back. I gotta find the email. Let me type disappointed into my email. <laughs> like oh. I mean, but like listen. that's that's y'all experience at a PWI, but at a HVCU, like you can't even really broadcast your experience too much or everybody gonna be looking at you like you crazy or nuts. So like yeah. it exists. Trust me, it exists everywhere. You know, you yeah. gotta pick and choose your battles. You know what I'm saying, but you can't say too much of anything at my school. For for, but I, I do, I do. I'm and I'm the same. And I'm the same way at my at my old school. Like I, uh, you know, uh, black people trying tend to hold grudges a little bit longer. And when that when I say that at the HBCU is, you know, if you if you say anything that's contra, controversial as far as the administration, because nine times out of ten at HBCU, the administration is kind of crooked. Or they have their issues where people don't agree, or it can be a thing of both, like the, 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 they hire, you know, controversial people or whatever. But you have to be uh, walk on eggshells when you talk about the administrations at HBCU. So it, it's, it's similar as well. Yeah, no, I was definitely, I am, I've always been, as y'all can imagine, I'm sure it's not surprising that I've always found myself um, in an issue <laughs> with whoever is the higher ups in any in anything for saying what I have to say, and it's crazy because looking back on it, like considering how much I really say what I have to say now, I'm like I really wasn't even saying what I had to say like that, y'all, y'all. <laughs> but yeah, it that is that is definitely something. Oh, Lori, you're back. Although I'm about to ask if anybody has any y'all have any final thoughts or. I want to share if anybody has any more questions or anything y'all want to know about specifically please get on the lineup now and ask i have time because leftist mafia doesn't start till 8 30 but i would you know i'm not gonna keep everybody hostage if y'all have questions let me know it's not really drama of it that's crazy not y'all just gonna sit in Lori. all right Dun, 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 dun. Wow, Jason, Jason, J-A-Y, you on my Twitter all the time, I don't care from you. I recognize some of y'all from, like, my Twitter notifications, so then I'd be like, how come y'all don't talk? Wait, can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you, Lori. Oh, Aaron, you're back. Hey, Jason. Lori, your mic is, 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 I can't hear you good. Okay. Aaron, ask your question. Can I ask a question since I I I don't know if this is like on topic but I was never given any sort of accommodations for being autistic in law school and 
it was really because nobody really knew anything about it. The professors didn't know anything about it. You know, they, they really didn't care. Um, you know, and so I got a lot of professors saying shit to me like, well, if you can't handle it, you need to drop out. You know, yeah. you need to leave. Like you can't, you can't hang because you have a disability that affects your emotional regulation and your processing speed. And that's what you need. So you need to drop out. And so eventually I did because my mental health got so bad because I couldn't trust anyone who was in a position of authority. Yeah. You know? Um, so do you think that there's a place for us? Yeah. In, in the legal profession? Yeah, absolutely. So first, okay. So the first thing I want I want to say is what you're feeling, like what, what you were feeling, what made you drop out is, is valid. That has nothing like people is a, it's a mistake to think um, a bad experience or how other people treat you or how an environment is unsustainable to you at a particular time in your life means that you are not for something that isn't even that, which, you know what I'm saying? You're not trying, you're, you want to be a lawyer and you want to be a lawyer for your own reasons and what you want to do for the profession. So you can't, you can't not be for your own vision because some other people want to mistreat you and not make the means to that end doable. I think what you need to first do is give yourself grace, like for one, that the, the, what you were feeling and why that had to be your response and what you had to do at that particular time in your life was valid. And now say, all right, from that situation, in the same way you communicated it to me, what was lacking, you understand what was lacking was that they didn't, they didn't accommodate you. It was an environment that was, was an ableist environment. I think you have to now say, I have to look into law schools in specific that are accommodating to that. I would look into, I would look, um, I would look into that, like into like, schools that have a, a reputation for that i would look and see if you can outreach on on twitter see if you could find other like lawyers that have autism i've talked about it i'm sure there are um i'm sure there are lots i know um and and get their talk you know let let them talk to you about how they you know what schools they pick and what and just speak to that need like we all have we all have things like it doesn't we have things, right? Like, and if we don't accommodate those, 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 like, for example, I have anxiety. I have real bad anxiety and I have ADHD. Like, so I can't, I'm not, I, I'm more productive at, for two hours at night. So like in the wee hours in the morning, I'll ever be the entirety of the day. Like I am not, yeah. I am not pr productive on other people's schedule. I don't do, I don't perform like that. Like it's not fluid like that. But when I do, I execute, but I have to speak and understand my own needs and I have to, you know, get me to adapt my environment to that. So I think once you just like when I studied for the bar, I realized when I when I first started studying for the bar, I was trying to do it like everybody else. And, you know, oh, they start their day early in the morning and sit down and say, oh, and I just couldn't do shit. It just didn't work for me. And then I just had to accept myself like you literally just don't function at this time and just say, you know what? let myself off the hook at the day and I study at night. Like when night starts, all right, now I do that entire day that people do, but at nighttime, I think you just have to recognize that you have to adapt to your needs. That environment just wasn't a good environment. You mentioned it earlier as a small little, you know, conservative school. There are num there were numerous ways in which the environment didn't fit you. That school didn't fit you. Not that you don't fit the profession. Thank you so much. And I just want to say, I, I love all of your work and um, seeing you in the media really helped me realize like, I can still do this, you know, just because I have an emotional attachment to the stuff that I want to. It's funny, like having having actually believing in what you want to do, it was almost seen as like a negative, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you can't be removed. Um, yeah. But I really admire your passion and thank you for for showing us that that's that's OK and good. <laughs> thank you so much, Boo. And I know and I know the. 
I know the feeling. They very much so do try to stamp that out of you. I was talking about that earlier on a on a show I did today. Um, they there's something to growing up and realizing that the qualities in you as a person that they tried to convince like advocate like everything I am like I people like laugh when I say I'm a professional loudmouth but I'm like I am I have the gift of gab I'm an excellent order I'm, I'm good like you know and that's that's just that was always the case I came into life as a speaker as a writer as a as a talker and if I ever listened if I ever listened to people telling me I'm too opinionated I talk too much why are you so loud like I can't tell you how many times in life people have tried to you know like they have been they have wanted me so bad to make myself small and I'm like oh now as an adult as a fully formed adult I can be like wow look at me doing all this shit I ever said I want to do and look at how all these things about myself that are just true about me as a person is what makes me so effective in doing all these different things so don't ever let nobody convince you that you know your god-given talents or the fact that you care about something is 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 a hindrance caring about something is the only thing that's going to make you get up if I didn't feel as passionately as I feel about the liberation of black people I wouldn't do shit I'm, I'm 29 i'm cute i want to be a hot girl you think i want to be doing all this serious this serious miserable shit up white supremacists talking about me all the goddamn time no but i love i feel passionately and i care about the things that i do and that's what makes me effective like people will send me causes and things and i'm always like what you need to do if you care about something open up your mouth because nobody will ever be a better advocate for that thing if you asking me to do it i don't give a fuck that's why like the reason why you think i'm such an effective advocate of what i'm talking about is because that's what i care about that's what i'm passionate about so your passion is, is always always a good thing and don't let nobody tell you different i like I, I really i really like what you said i will also say like as much as you advocate for causes advocate for yourself too absolutely like like, like fight for yourself because well y'all might go hard for me yeah like go hard for you because nobody gonna go hard for you as hard as you go for yourself like, no that's like, that's my problem now i'm going to yourself for me. Yeah, that like take care of yourself. Go to therapy, your mental health. It, this is a a grimy ass field. Like I have like no words for it. I was kind of like shocked at how like crazy the field was. I'm like, and I'm from like the city. I'm from Cleveland, so I'm used to like the like the you know grimy shit and all of that. But it's a different type of game in this. Like, yeah, it's different. So take care of yourself, but also like fight for you don't let nobody pull nothing on you like you yeah. really gotta be you gotta be 10 steps ahead of everybody like don't like i don't know you gotta be real sharp in this field like, i don't even know how to i don't even know how you prepare yourself for that like, i remember i sure. told you i remember i told you how fucking grimy and terrible and trifling these people were when you finally came to me in law school like sis no i remember i definitely i honestly thought like you know i'm going to howard that ain't gonna even exist but and wrong you know that was wrong you know, I, I love my i love my school i love it but that was wrong. yeah so i thought i would have got away from politics and stuff too you gotta play the game no matter where you go but understanding that it's a game and you gotta make the game don't let the game make you you cannot yeah. make the game make you Remember yes. yourself at all times stay packed understand that you know some people you just may not need to be around you know and, and just hustle like you know if, if there's something that you want to do there's alternative ways to do it like i said the best class i ever took in law school was alternative dispute resolution that taught me everything i know about what i'm doing now and beyond so understand your race and then understand that things might not go the way you wanted to but things are going to go the way they have to and enjoy that don't have fomo don't have fear missing out 
just because your friends got the opportunities, don't let the hate be a God. Let the love be a God. Be just yeah. as happy your friends as you are for yourself when you win. In fact, I'm happier for my homies when they win, when they get it. Yeah. So just, even though, even if you're in a place that's surrounded by a lot of hate and you feel a lot of hate in the area and you feel a lot of hateful energy, you be the love. You keep the love. You remain yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, Gary, you going to say? Yeah, Gary. Um, understand that people project all the time. They'll project fears. They'll project failures. They'll project negative energy. Never let people dim the light you know you're predestined for. And man, Gary, I need I, I need to talk to you on the side, man. I think I need to <laughs> I need to hear this a little more myself for real. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because people will literally project their all of the 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 situations they dealt with and their past lives on you. They'll try to diminish and and little you. And you are destined for more than you even know. So don't ever go to law school thinking that somebody can touch what God has predestined for you. It's done. It's already written. It's over. So go in there with the mindset that you're going to get everything God wanted for you and go into it with the mindset of, for me personally, knowing I'm doing this not only for me, but for my next generation, my family's family's families. Um, you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for the people that invested in you and that that have actually sold into you. Never forget right. that. And think and honestly, think about those that will be excited for you in the sense like so much of the time when people talk about you, you know, being in your in your being in your own and being in your authenticity as a black attorney, they, they talk about what that's like to navigate in terms of how white people are received that negatively, but they never think about how positive is received by black people, like all the people that you represent. Like in my case, I'm like, I can only, I can't tell you the joy, like when I older, the first time, like I had a client and his Grammy is this old black lady. And when she saw I was his attorney, how happy she was, like how safe she was, you know what I mean? Like how your clients feel about you and how the people in the community that you serve. And I think that's also something, um, a few of us have reiterated tonight about knowing yourself and being principled, like recognize that there is a lane for you, right? Like there is a lane and carve out that lane. Like everything is, everybody's, you know, different strokes, different folks, everybody, not everybody's going to be, you know, I can't do corporate, you know, not everybody could be this. We can't be that. We all have different ways that, you know, we fit into this profession and we can exist. There's something to recognize in which you are and what works for you. Like one of the best things I could have done for myself, I think, is like seek out attorneys and mentors and other people like you that you see yourself in, that you could learn from that make you feel like you belong. Like my mentor is Masai Lord, former public defender and a civil rights attorney. And I met him because my 1L year, he was the speaker for the Black Law Students Association meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, another black, loud, obnoxious attorney. Like, oh, my God, like I see myself like. Yes, Nyla said she is the best mentor, and I just would like to go ahead and second second that assertion because she too, <laughs> she does. Yes, um, but yes, I meet Masai. Like Masai, really, like Masai is so much more impactful to the attorney that I became than law school itself. Like Masai was my mock trial coach, but he really because I chose 
an attorney like myself, like somebody with the same kind of style, the same kind of gravitas, the same kind of this, he was able to teach me, like hone so much of what I was. And, you know, besides the first person to tell me, like, walk in a room, command a room, son, like, it don't matter if it's the judge, like, no, you walk in, that's your courtroom. And that's kind of my mentality with everything that I do. And I think, you know, there's something to that, like carving out, finding out people that are going to inspire you, that are going to motivate you, that are all of this. So, I think that's also very, very important. And I and underrated in general, just in education and in life. I think like I would say not just for law school, but like my mentors, picking out solid mentors was one of the best things I ever did for myself in undergrad and in life overall too. But Cecile, you go ahead and unmute yourself, girl. That's your question. Cecile, I would hate to force unmute you. That would be wrong. Yeah, Nyla back. There we go. Listen. Okay, but I'm back. Cecile, I think I feel like you can't. Are you? Are you? Cecile, you're muted. I'm gonna give you like a few little more before I give up. If anybody has any any other questions, y'all should jump on the queue. Jump on the queue. Cause I'm taking takers right now. Take it while the iron is hot. What is it? While the getting is getting, while it's getting is going. What is Omari? Let's go. All right, Omari. We see you dressed spiffy in this picture. What's up, Omari? Unmute yourself. I feel like this unmute be so slow. Is it can y'all hear people or is it just me? Hello? Okay, Omari. Yes, we hear you now. Oh, great. Lovely, to lovely talking to you, Olaemi. I'm a big, big fan. Even though I'm not the biggest interactor, but I'm very, I, I love, I love your passion and your of your work, and I'm, I'm rooting for you. Oh, um, thank you. What's this accent? This is another accent I like. Ooh, <laughs> a fellow West Indian, just like you. <laughs> well, what? Where from? Where? I'm um, saying kids. Wow, I like this accent. I like this. this <laughs> all right continue <laughs> so i was the one i think i so I'm, I'm looking for i just came back from i just just did my british law degree and so i just moved back to the states like two weeks ago and so i'm just like looking for um like paralegal work and i just wanted to know if any of in, if, if either you or anyone else on the panel would have any sort of insight on how to on how to go about getting some paralegal work yes, or yes. litigation support work in general can 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 the rest of y'all can anybody else but me take it i i'm glad i I remember why i'm like yes come because i i don't have nothing nothing of value to offer but everybody else might please y'all hear that please weigh in be helpful come on black excellence come 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 help unmute yourself <laughs> can you repeat the Harry. question amari repeat your question Wait, you know that I'm There we Hello? go. Yes. Yes, Omari. Oh, you wanted me to repeat? Or... Yes, repeat your question, Omari. Oh, like I'm looking for like paralegal work, so I'm just wondering if anyone would have any leads on how to get paralegal or litigation support roles in general. Yeah, like what's the way to go about that? And you're where are you? So I'm in New York at the minute. Okay. But we have advice. Anybody's advice? Tina, how do y'all get jobs? See, I'm not American, you know, I'm an immigrant. And like, you know, I, I, I work for one job and they just own me with shackles. Like, I don't be, and I don't know nothing about a job market. Like, somebody else help. Tina, you're here. Uh, uh, I mean, paralegal work, I feel like you could probably look at a lot of, well, it also it depends on, on where you want to be, right? Um, maybe possibly looking at LinkedIn. 
um, seeing if there's anyone that you know at a firm, um, if they're looking for any openings or anything like that. Um, and if you have your, you know, your resume or, or what have you kind of making it explicitly clear what you've, you know, what you've done in the past, et cetera, um, and just keep an eye out towards the market. Cause I do know that they're hiring, um, a lot in, um, the bankruptcy restructuring, um, due to the potential, um, bust in that, um, and, and less so, uh, corporate, uh, paralegals just as a. And and also, you know, um, what helps and helpful for people that are trying to find paralegal jobs is a recruiter. I don't know if you know recruiters in your area, but recruiters really recruit for firms, but they also recruit for uh, paralegal jobs as well. Um, what you'll do is you know, it's probably best to update your resume now. And then I, I know that recruiters are always looking for paralegal work and paralegals in general. Uh, to help with either firms, smaller uh, firms, or bigger firms. So it just depends. Most of the parent, most of the recruiters I've seen, they're mostly looking starting from like the attorney level and up and upwards. I have no idea. I I, I honestly, I wish I had something valuable to contribute. I I have no idea. If I look at it and find some, uh, I'll get your information before I leave. If I see any that are yeah. recruiting for paralegals, I definitely send you. At the very least, yeah. If you if you if you send me to, I know you would DM me, send me, and I'll I'll forward it to my my mentor. He has a firm, and if he's looking for somebody, I'll I'll put in a plug. That's pretty okay. much. That's my only. I don't know nothing about nobody's okay. job. Forward it to me too, because I I know a paralegal who left, and she. She's now at um she's at Scadden. So she has okay, to have yeah, some boom. paralegal connect. So forward me Omari's information too. Yeah. I'll yeah, send me let, let me DM I'll be, I'll respond to your DM right now and give you um my email and send it to me and I'll forward it to Tina and Gary. Okay. You also can do like a very broad like Google search too, because like I know law firms always looking for paralegals for real. Like that's that's such a necessary and needed role and job i would just really go on google and do like a broad search you'd be surprised though like because I, I did that on google but then it's like a lot of them are asking for like five six years of work experience which of in that in like a corporate paralegal they'll want five six five or six years of legal experience as a corporate paralegal and which i but you know what? What a, like even with like job requirements, I've always applied to jobs and I didn't even meet the requirements that were listed. Like I'd be walking out on straight faith. So if I were you, I would still apply to those jobs that's saying that you need a lot of experience. Because me, I've always gotten jobs and I wasn't even like quote unquote qualified, but like I was qualified in someone's eyes. So if I were you, I would still go. Right, okay, because that was definitely like discouraging me. Like, okay, like you need six years. I'm like, how the hell do I compete with that? Look, those, those, and that goes for anybody that's going to law school that might be about to go through OCIs or anything like that. Look, or going like post uh, law school looking for a job for after the bar or whatever. Never, that's such a great point. Don't ever let years of experience deter you from applying for a job. Man, let me tell you something. If you go in there and you, kill an interview the years of experience or whatever they're asking for doesn't even matter and so don't let that discourage you on applying for anything because they'll always look at you 
somebody is going to pick you up, no matter what job it is, just always go apply, no matter the years of experience. My, me my mentor told me this in uh, applying to jobs. Don't say no for somebody else. You don't know what's on the other side for that. There could be a yes. There could be a, we're going to keep you in the books and something's going to come down later, but don't speak for somebody else. You don't know. Apply. Just apply. Just do it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, so this is what all your accents sound like? Of like a British... I just moved back. Yeah. I've got a bit of like a Caribbean slash British thing going on. And that's how all y'all sound. <laughs> Those with that experience. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Thank you, Omari. <laughs> Let me Thank you so you much. Um, and... uh, let me see. Cecile, let's see if it works this time. Hi, Cecile. Hi. Good night, everyone. How are you? Yes, it's working. Are you hearing me now? Yes, I hear you. Ooh, more Caribbean. Yes, Jamaican. Jamaican in the house. Look at this. Love this. We we'll come to take over, right? We Caribbean mm -hmm. people come to take over. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, my question is, I'm an older learner, and um, I'm in New York City, and um, mm -hmm. do you know? I I'm trying to get like. Low cost, low cost store, you know, on the cheaper side, LSAT classes. Yeah. Um, I, I, as an immigrant, I don't really know a lot of people in the legal profession or know the avenues to go to. Because I'm thinking of going to CUNY Law because I want to go into the um the public service, the, you know, public advocate. Um, we, I so, uh, continue. Yeah. Oh, so. I'm trying to get into that area, but I'm, you know, like to find a reasonable priced LSAT classes. So I didn't actually, so I never took LSAT classes, but I feel like, Nyla, did y'all, did any of y'all before I, I'm sure I could come no, to I the definitely world. I'm sure did. somebody did. Not you did? did? Yes, I did take an LSAT. I needed it real bad. <laughs> Just to be really, my friend. My first LSAT score was real crazy. And then I think I took an LSAT class and it like raised my score like 13 points. It really helped me. And also I have a, what what I have for anybody that's here that's taking the LSAT. I have me and two other black attorneys have compiled like a whole LSAT type of uh, hard drive, Google Drive with like old exams, tips, this, that, and the third. If you send your contact information, I'll definitely send you the link. It's open, and I'm just trying to help people pass the LSAT because black people sometimes don't do the best on standardized tests because, you know, they're made for us not to do well on sometimes. Um, but if you all have any issues with the LSAT, I do have, like, a little Google Drive that I can send you a link. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I just put my information in the chat. Yes. Carrie, you want to – yeah, you – Y'all figure it out. Y'all exchange that. Gary, your email's in the chat. So you could, because you definitely want to get that. In the New York City area, because I'm in the Bronx. You said what? I'm in the Bronx. So I'm. Also... That was the thing. Yeah, I'm saying I'm in the Bronx. I don't know if any of you guys are in the New York City area. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in Brooklyn. 
Okay, okay. Penis nice. and plans. Yeah, but no, I actually, my, you know, I had the benefit and, you know, of when I studied for the LSAT, I did it like three months. I think, I think it was three months because I know they don't die studying more than three months. And I think it was either two or three months that I did like every day, like under like to take a LSAT test, like a, like an actual test under testing. And as I suggest that, by the way, only taking like the LSAC test and not like the Princeton review and those because they write questions that are similar to questions you see on the LSAT, but not the ones I suggest taking a lot of the actual practice tests. Um, but I liked the logic game by like the logic Bibles. I found those really, really helpful. Um, and just treating it like that, but I had the benefit of like that being my only focus, no job, no nothing in school. Um, but I never took any classes. My daddy wasn't, my daddy wasn't paying for nobody. (laughs) I was not even entertained at that. I never got to even think about it. I barely got bail. Bar prep was hard enough to pay for. These classes are very expensive. That's what makes it so inaccessible for us in this profession, because all these different things that become like standard necessary to pass these tests and, and do well are so costly. But yeah. recently that um the aba was not requiring the lsat Dumbling, right yeah there's something like that happening i'm seeing cuny still asking for the lsat i think some places it's gonna be is it tina somebody weigh in somebody that be checking like the news and stuff i be uh, admittedly i be tuning out on the things that affect law students now since uh, since i'm not a law student anymore that's trifling but it's my truth um but I did see, I think it, I know they had started up recently, like where it wasn't just the LSAT. They were also considering like, you could take like the GRE or something. And then I think of recently, some places are moving to, you know, not consider the LSAT altogether, but I don't know what the actual facts are. Gary said he sent you the email um, or, or no, is it true? Yeah, he sent something. He's doing something. Gary, yes, I did respond. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know, Nyla. I don't really know much about the um, like the LSAT requirements and if they if they got rid of it or not. They should, but I don't really know about that. But I will say that some LSAT companies will um, like lower the fee that you have to pay to take the class if you um, should like just write a letter or something like that, or um, show that you need it, or if you show that like. Um, I forget what's the law school of like portal called that you submit all the applications through. It's just like LSAC, uh, LSAC.org, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. LSAC. So you can get a letter from LSAC and then submit it to the company. Some companies do this. And I know like I even, I went through a private company who I, I really, really, really like them. If you're in DC, they're called Griffin prep. They were so amazing to me. They were just such good people. Like they, they just forever like have a piece of my heart. They are really good people. But, um, so they were private and they accepted the letter from LSAC. So I'm sure those, um, more public, uh, larger companies will definitely accept the letter. So that's something to think about too, because it chopped my costs in half. All right. Thank you. I'll check those. Well, thank you so much. And I'm really enjoying, um, tonight. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you so much to see you. If anybody, any, any more take, if there are any last takers, speak now, forever hold your peace. Is there anything else to that, that little, that little threat they be given in the middle of the altar? Like, that's so crazy, because if they was really serious about it, they would ask people privately. You know what I mean? Like, plenty, a lot of people probably have a lot of, a lot of stuff they'd like to say, but they're not going to say across the room, like...
There we go. Look, oh, Andrew, you were there and then you weren't. Look at that. I saw it. It was so fast. I'm 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 gonna start. I'm gonna run a countdown before I right, wrap up. You, somebody got ten seconds to make a move. Ten. <laughs> I'm counting. I'm counting. I'm not gonna do the real countdown because I'll be od. But I'm doing it in my mind. Hey, I gotta um. I gotta head out, y'all. I gotta walk into. Yes, Lori. We about to wrap up, actually. Well, thank y'all so much. I'm glad everybody tuned in tonight. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that a bunch of people feel like they got their questions answered or at least learned something tonight and this was insightful. Thank you so much to all my wonderful friends that I actually brought here by threat. I want you to know I messaged all of these working professional people with eyes like, what you doing? You doing this something at six? You want to do something? <laughs> that's, that's how I did it. <laughs> you got me drunk before you asked me. That wasn't fair. Yes, <laughs> I literally I called Nalida like you doing some sixes. Nah, I, I mean like Gary I promise tweet. you like anything you ever need, I'm here. Like because this is my mentor, y'all, and like I promise you, you know some mentors be all talk and all you know. Nah, like this is a mentor who actually shows up for me if I need something. Drop of a dime, she's coming. So you already know if you ever need anything from me, you know. I'm Listen, you know, I love you. Thank you, you wonderful people. Gary knows I went in by threat, too. I sent Gary his own tweet, like, hey, yo, Gary. <laughs> like, you're like, you want back what you talking about? You want to come talk to the people? <laughs> like, so thank y'all so much. This has been wonderful. I am about to end the room. And y'all should tune into Leftist. Tune into Leftist Mafia. If you've never watched, we have a great time. It's at 8.30. You could catch it on YouTube or Twitch. Go to the Rational Nationals YouTube.